Welcome to That Hockey Show, part of the Go Hockey Media Radio Network. It's time to hit the ice for some puck talk, no matter how many teeth you have left, with some of the sharpest line mates covering the game. We're going coast to coast and through the neutral zone to light the lamp with all the latest hockey chirping you can handle. So, you better keep your head up, because the team at THS always finishes their checks. It's showtime. Let's drop the puck, and if we have to, drop the gloves on That Hockey Show, where the game is always on. Yes, the game is always on right here at THS. Welcome to That Hockey Show, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks so much for tuning in wherever you are, wherever time of day it is. It is Thursday, November 4th, week 4 in the NHL of this 2021-22 season. And as always, you're surely Mr. Paul Cuthbert holding down the THS board here in New York on Long Island. And as always, I'll be bringing in my THS line mates, Mr. Joe Yarden from Buffalo. Uh, I think some things going on in the, up north there in the great state of New York here, upper New York. Uh, we'll also go out to Chicago. We'll catch up with Tab we'll get into the fallout here since the uh, Blackhawks investigation. Maybe we'll get into the team on the ice here a little bit, too, and maybe talk about the Panthers now going forward without their coach. And we'll get, uh, obviously, Joe and Tabs weigh in on Jack Eichel, along with our great man out west, Mr. Steve Palumbo. We'll get his take on Jack Eichel. We'll also uh, find out what's going with the Avs. And, um, you know, his take on Jack Eichel as well, too. The trade, and obviously, Vegas Knights, Stevie... Uh, Covering the Western Conference for us here as well. So big things going on for them. We don't know. Uh, I mean, no, we don't know. It'll be a while, obviously, before Jack puts the uh, the sweater on for the Knights. Well, hopefully that's what all of us NHL fans will get to see. Is Jack back on the ice sometime in 2022. Maybe before the playoffs, helping the, the Knights uh, get back into the playoffs. I think they've made the playoffs every year they've been in existence. So uh, hopefully Jack will help them. Um, Keep that streak going. And uh, I'm going to ask um, Steve-O about PK. What's going on with PK in New Jersey? Riddled with injuries and trouble. And uh, PK uh, seems to be kind of slipping out of uh, the picture here a little bit. But we'll get into that, too. And then uh, I want to also bring up Marion Gabrick uh, retired, announced his retirement, and obviously played with the Kings and the Rangers here in New York here for a little bit and obviously started with uh, Minnesota. Uh, 17 seasons, part of that 2014 Stanley Cup team in Los Angeles. So we'll get into that later on, too. But it is Jack Eichel Day here on THS, no doubt about it. Uh, Joey up in Buffalo uh, will spend um, pretty much the whole time talking about that. Uh, what what this means, I guess just glad it's over for all the fans here moving forward, not only for Jack Eichel to move forward, but the Buffalo Sabres as an organization. We'll talk about uh, how they made it in the trade, how they made out in the trade, I should say. Uh, what they got back here, we'll talk about these uh, young prospects that will be joining the Sabres sometime in the near future. Uh, so lots of good stuff there to talk about with all the guys. And again, we'll talk with Tab in Chicago, and we'll get his take on Jack as well, too. So that's what's going on here today. So uh, real quick, four games last night, uh, Oilers, Canes, Blue Jackets, uh, and Kings, all the big winners uh, last night on the Wednesday night schedule. Nine games tonight. Um, I love the Caps-Panthers game this evening. It should be a lot of fun. Panthers still undefeated. Uh, obviously, the change is there with Quenville being out and Brunette now taking over, uh, looking to keep that winning streak going. Caps are playing real well. Ovi's on a tear. Uh, so that's a great game tonight to watch on. Philly and Pitt, always great for those rivalries to get together. Obviously, the news that Sid is out on uh, 
COVID protocol, and hopefully he gets well soon and, and gets back on the ice, just getting back from an injury himself. Uh, now he's got to deal with COVID. So a uh, great matchup there. Bolts and Leafs going at it tonight, too. You know, the champs are trying to just, you know, get things going here, and the, and the Leafs are still trying to prove themselves to any everyone, anyone and everyone, uh, that they're a team to be uh, taken seriously with all that talent and all that money. Uh, Wings and Bruins going at it tonight. Pretty even keel matchup there, too. Bruins, hope, uh, Bruins, you would not hopefully. I don't know why I said hopefully, but Bruins, you figure uh, the favorite in that. But the Wings uh, playing a little spunky and sparky here at the beginning of the season. The Isles after, uh, I don't know, five, six, seven-day uh, layoff or whatever. I might be exaggerating there. But they're back on the ice tonight against the Habs, obviously, who have been struggling uh, all season. Should be, that's a good matchup between those two teams. We'll take it. Uh, Habs want to win. Isles want to keep things going and get back into uh, – making a dent here in the Metro division. Uh, the Golden Knights, obviously the big news with the trade. Uh, again, they have to wait now uh, for Jack Eichel to join them. It's going to be a while, but in the meantime, at least uh, it's pretty exciting news for their fans. The Knights obviously banged up here, a bunch of injuries to their team. Sends, um, you know, we'll give them a good run as always. Sends playing, you know, okie dokie so far this season. The Sabres out West taking on the brand new Kraken. They're struggling a little bit here the last couple of games, but again, the big news here for the Sabres organization, they'll be taking it. And I, got, I have to imagine it's a huge weight off the coaching staff, the players, and the entire organization that the Jack, Jack Eichel uh, story is done now, and now they can kind of move on. Uh, Kraken, um, not an easy out, so uh, that'll be fun. Packed house there in Seattle. It's a beautiful arena. Uh, it's great to see them playing there and, and all the good stuff going on in Seattle um, as they find their way. Uh, through the beginning of this season. So good matchup there. Uh, lots of storylines, obviously, with the Jack Eichel trade today. Blues and Sharks going at it. Blues playing really well of late. Sharks hanging out up uh, a little top of the Pacific Division there behind Edmonton and Calgary. And the Flames will be going at it tonight uh, with Dallas. Uh, Flames are playing pretty good. Pretty good out of Coach Sutter. Some people say it's not exciting hockey, but I don't know. They're winning. And I love those old red jerseys, man. At home. I love them. It's great. So, uh, good matchup there tonight. So, those are your nine games here tonight uh, on this Thursday, November 4th. A uh, real quick look at the leaderboard here, too. Dry Seidel's got 20 points here, uh, leading the league. Nick David right there. Or, Mc, or McJesus, as some people call him, uh, 19 points. And then Ovi right behind the two of them uh, with 15. Goals, Dry Seidel and Ovi, both at nine goals each so far. And there's about seven other players there with, um, no, ten other players that have about seven goals spreading things out there. Uh, as far as the assist leaders, it's all in Edmonton. And that's Ryan Nugent Hopkins, McDavid, and Dry Seidel, 13, 12, and 11. Assists respectively for each of them. Freddie Anderson, king of the goaltenders right now, eight and zero, all the wins. Uh, and then Cam Talbot uh, is behind uh, Freddie there with six wins, and a bunch of others have a couple of other guys have six wins too. So there you go, folks. Uh, that's basically uh, your look at tonight. I'm going to keep things short uh, again this week. We're going to get into it with the guys here too, and, and again talk about the big trade today. And all the other stuff going on. So looking forward to it. As always, want to thank you guys, as always, for tuning in, listening, subscribing. If you're checking us out for the first time, please, you know, join us. Hang out with us on Twitter at That Hockey Show. Send us some feedback. Tell some friends and so on and so forth. And um, we appreciate your uh, support here at That Hockey Show. Well, that's enough of me. Time now, as we always do in the face-off circle. Head on out to the great city of Buffalo, where things are happening. It's crazy. It's nuts. There's chaos in the streets. And the best guy to talk to, as always, is Mr. Joe Yarden. What's up, pal? Welcome back to THS, brother. 
Paulie, my dude, I can't believe it's finally happened. You are going to be busy yapping and I, writing the next 12, 15 hours, buddy. Buddy, every every time I've got like a, like five seconds to myself, I'm just kind of like, oh, let's, let's scribble out a paragraph. Okay, let's talk to some more people. Uh, let's let's go from let's go from there. And uh, yeah, it's um, you know it, it, the way. I mean, let's just get right into it. Yeah, let's man. Happy right Jack Eichel like, Day, everybody. It's Come on. Uh, happy Happy Jack Day in Vegas and Happy Goodbye Jack Day in Buffalo. Well, I don't know. It's I don't know that it's that happy in Buffalo. I mean, they're happy. People here are happy that it's finally over with. That it's that they can close the book on the chapter and move on. Like everybody's been ready to move on with their lives since since June, <laughs> since since they had that that exit press conference day where everybody was just like. They're all wearing it on their face, like, get me out of here, please. Just like <laughs> Sam Reinhardt's like, I can't wait to go home this summer and maybe never come back here. Ristolainen <laughs> asked for, you know, like kind of casually asked for a trade for like the second or third straight year. You know, he wasn't direct about it. And then Jack was just basically like, man, screw this place. I'm out of here. Like, <laughs> I tell you, I don't know what they're getting all excited about in Vegas. The guy may never hit the ice for them. Well, it's they're gonna have to wait a while. That's yeah. that's for damn sure. Like the the now that you know you know now that uh, Kelly McCrimmon's talked about this, um, which you know inconveniently was the same time Kevin Adams was talking about it this, <laughs> Thursday morning. <laughs> um, but Kelly McCrimmon talking about how the you know they're gonna get him they're gonna get him the surgery that he wants the you know the artificial disc replacement and they're saying the time frame is three to five months. So if it's three months. Look at he's back in February, which pretty cool. I mean, unfortunately for Jack, it doesn't look like he's going to be able to go do the Olympics because that's that's cutting it way too close. But then if he's not back by February, he's back by April. If that's five. If he goes five months. It's April, and that's the timing works out to be just before the playoff starts. So that's right, and he can hang out with Kucherov until then. Right, exactly. Like get some tips no, from him. No, the the postseason is is Candyland. There's no yes. salary cap. You know, you can have all the treats you want, man. Get fat and have fun. But it's, I mean, that's ultimately what works out best for Vegas. I mean, if if he comes back, if he's ready to go in February, they'll take it. But I I, I do wonder how much how much how much fun they're gonna have have to have and carve it up the uh, the the the, uh, the roster to get under the cap. But you know, that's 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 a nice problem to have when you add a luxury like like Jack Eichel. Because let's face it, the dude's incredible. Um, people in, in all the talking that we, that I've done and everybody's done about Jack in this whole, this whole lead up is that man, you know, if only he was healthy. And I, I look back on this, every injury that he had in Buffalo was a freak, freak accident or some freak happening. You know, the, the high ankle sprain, um, before his, his second year, third year, whatever it was, whatever it was the day before they were going to open the season against Montreal. And he, I remember it like it was yesterday, Paulie. He's skating through the top of the crease. He hits hits like a rut or something like that, and he just yeah yells out, and he's down on the ice, and we're just like, uh oh, yeah. that's that's no good. And he was you know he missed like what uh, 20, 20 something games, not great. That stunk. And then you know he had a, he had another high ankle sprain like a year or two later, where it was just another it was a freak thing against Boston, I think it was. And it was just like, okay, well, that's fine. It wasn't as bad as that that first one. And it was on the other ankle, which is the worst part of it. And then this whole thing with the neck, like, 
it seemed like a you know it was a, a bit of a rough shot from Casey Zizekas, but it wasn't anything where you're just kind of like whoa dirty hit or just like mm, geez maybe they should have called a penalty there yeah, maybe they should have, but like it was a hit where you just don't think like wow that that was an injury yeah man it's all takes and that's where that's that's where we're at with it now man like he's a guy with unbelievable talent just incredible he's a he's a game breaker man he's so good. And you just and, haven't seen enough of him yet either because he's, he's never, yeah. uh, you know, his first season there he had 81 games. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, 61, 67, 77 there in 18, 19, um, 68 and nineteen twenty. obviously with the season cut short in 21 for the the post-COVID uh, thing there too. So, I mean, you know, that's I guess that's an unfortunate thing too as a Buffalo fan and a guy who covers the team and, you know, for the fans themselves. Here it is. He was he was a big get for the organization, and mm-hmm. he was going to be a part of hopefully another resurgence. We've heard that so many times up in Buffalo. Yeah, and um and here he is. He's gone. Another another guy that's gone off to another foreign team, and and now Buffalo starts all again. But um, you know, here we are. What are you going to do? Yeah. But I guess more than anything, Joe. I guess like I said, covering this thing and talking about him and and, and the kind of player he is and everything else. I guess it's got to be bittersweet, right? You're you're, you, I would say you and the fan base there in Buffalo, the front end, uh, the front office and everything is relieved that this is over. It's bittersweet because, man, it's Jack Eichel. And, man, if he mm-hmm. does if he does turn his health around here and he does become that player that everybody expects him to be and that NHL star, and, man, if he does it in Vegas, forget about mm-hmm. it. It'll be huge. Yeah. A, that, I mean, you talk – I mean, the cap is such a big thing. And still today I am terrible with numbers and the cap and everything else and <laughs> – same. How it all works and, and everything else. I mean, the Rangers have just signed six guys to ridiculous amounts of money, and I don't know who's going to be left on the team here next year. But, um, you know, but this is it. But I guess that's what I'm throwing back at you. It's bittersweet uh, moment for the Sabres organization, I would say, once again. Yeah, it, I mean, but that's the, that's the thing. I, I, guess if there's, I guess if there's an upside with this taking as long as it has is that the the – recognizing that this chapter was, was closed and it was, it was closed as soon as season, the season ended last year. And after you saw Reinhardt, Ristolainen and Eichel all basically be like, man, be nice to be anywhere else, but here, like you like that close, that was it. Like that was, that was the end of, of everything that, that was, and I guess it's going to be referred to as the tank, the tank era for Buffalo, Mm -hmm. because I mean, you know, you get, you get Reinhardt, you get Eichel because, they were meant to hit the bottom. They were, they were, that's, that's how those teams were built out to be. They were meant to maximize the absolute goodness that you can get at the top of the draft. And they didn't come away with the number one pick in either of those years, even though they had the worst record. They didn't get the number one pick in either of those years, which mean, you know, how different are the Sabres if they've got Aaron Ekblad and, and Connor McDavid? Mm-hmm. You know, like that's. You know, and that's that's even assuming if Tim Murray still picks if Tim Murray picks Ekblad instead of Reinhardt. There's a lot of talk that he wanted Reinhardt, even even if he was picking first. So I mean, believe that if you want to or not. But um, you know, Joe, and not, not to cut you off, but just listening to you say that, right? What I'm mm-hmm. hearing in my head is as you're announcing Reinhardt and McDavid there and stuff. The first thing that I'm thinking about, but man, would they have stayed in Buffalo? Would have been the same? Would they have gone through the same kind of shit? You know what I'm saying? Would that, it have been like this? Buffalo have a stigma now, like nobody wants to go there. Nobody's going to stay there. Well, they. I think there's. I think there's certainly some awkwardness now. Um, 
because because every player in the league sees how this te- how the organization reacted to Jack with this, and we'll see how much that affects how they're able to to uh, acquire talent, you know, especially in free agency. Like I, I think that's the main thing. Not that you want to be bust and bank in free agency anymore these days. It's caused it's caused Buffalo and it's caused Terry Pagula enough problems in the past. Mm-hmm. Just nah, he's know, got no throw, problems. He's got billions of dollars. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, as far as like you know, giving Billy Leno a ton of money, you give you know, even though I didn't mind the Christian Ehrhoff contract at all, ten year contract for forty million was, was a lot. Um, you know, and some of these other signings where it was just kind of like, what are you doing, guys? I mean, people knock on the Opozo signing because think how things turned out there, but. He was like it was like him and Stamkos were like the one two guys that yeah. that offseason. And they wanted both. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Stamkos, everybody wanted Stamkos that summer. But um, but they got they got like the next best guy on the list. Like, I can't fault them for that. Like, I mean, I mean, yeah, it looks looks rough now. But, you know, who know, you know, how do you how do you predict that a guy's going to have concussions and have so many problems from them and nearly have his career ended by by, you know, by one or two of them? Like and. Again, freak circumstance. He, the the concussion that really put him in trouble here in Buffalo happened in practice. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it, it it's it's something where if you believe if you believe in in spiritual cosmic stuff, you would believe that there's like a witch's curse on the Sabers with how things have gone in the last ten years or so. Well, there's a few you know? curses going around on a few different teams there, Joe. There's <laughs> right. no doubt about it. I mean. Toronto's got a, a huge witch hanging around their building too. Well, I, I, that, that, you could call that the curse of Howard Ballard, honestly. Yeah, like that's because that dude Long was, was pain. Oh my god, that I mean, that people still want to spit on the ground when they hear his name Ooh. up there. So, like, I get it. You know, people people may not have like outwardly celebrated when he passed, but like some people may have read that obituary with a smile on their face. Like that's that's the whole thing. Like, mm-hmm. but like in Buffalo, it's it's. It's the, I don't know. I, I can't even call it. I, I guess it's like having a lack of patience uh, when it comes to, you know, trying to pull the right strings and getting, a you know, building a team, you know, because Tim Murray wanted to step on the gas. There was no question about it. you don't trade for Robin Leonard and Ryan O'Reilly and Evander Kane thinking we're going to be able to wait a couple of years to make to make the to make the playoffs like you. You get Reinhardt, you You get Eichel. You acquire those three dudes. You're thinking we're going to the playoffs as soon as possible, mm-hmm. and it didn't work. Like you know, Kane wasn't the right guy. He was the wrong influence for the for the team. O'Reilly was the right guy, and then he, he made the team mad by saying he hated losing. And you know, Robin Leonard had his had his problems. You know, and you know, I, again, like that's that's not something you, you like you know about going into it. Like you don't know that he was gonna run into so you know have 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 his demons well up on him like that here he played well here that's the thing like the the last few months he was here wasn't that great but he was in the depths of 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 the ditch when it came to you know how he was dealing with stuff on his own so i get it and the sabers respected that like they you know jason botro was really good to him so um you know they tried to give him help they tried to help him out and they they did steer him down the road to get him you know, helped out and recovered. So I, you know, worked out for the Islanders. That's for sure. Yeah. He played great in the Island. Um, but like those were moves made to, to speed up the clock. And part of the wrong thing of doing that is when you give up the, when you give up first round or second round picks to do that, and you're still trying to rebuild, it's not great. 
like you have to decide you have to decide it's one or the other are we going to make the playoffs right away if we get these guys if the answer is definitely yes which you don't know but Tim Murray was convinced that that was definitely the way that it was going to work and it was going to work out great that way and it just didn't now if the Sabres had made the playoffs and, and you know made some noise then he would have looked like a genius it would have been like man he knew right when to pull the strings and he did it the right way good for him like he knew he had the top two young talent guys and then he added these other veteran guys who were really good to the mix. It worked out perfect. Sabres in the playoffs. Hooray. Things happen. But that's like the butterfly effect thing that happens if, you know, it, like if things go differently. You know, you change one thing about that, maybe everything goes right. And instead, it, it, you know, instead it's the craps table and they, they came up snake eyes every roll, you know. And it's just you're, you're stuck. And then with how things have gone in the last couple of years where the the organization is just like, how do we fix this? You know, well, okay, let's change DMs again. Okay, we, we, we got to get the right coach. Okay, that's the wrong coach. Let's get the right coach. He's also the wrong, wrong coach. All right, get the right coach and the right GM. Okay, they're both wrong. Like, But now it's like, I get it. Like, th- there was talk that it's been mumbled about that Adams has wanted to put his stamp on what this what this team is going to be as he's building it. And having having as many guys from past regimes around kind of makes that hard. It makes it a little difficult. And, you know, at some point you have to decide, are we going to stick with this and keep trying to kick the can down the road and and make this a better team with what we've got here? Or do we just say this is not going to work? These guys are these guys have been losing here for four, five, six, seven seasons they're tired of it. They don't want to deal with that anymore. Let's do Let's do a mutual favor here and just let's start again. Even though they've had re rebuilds before all during this, you know, so it's something where you being not a Sabres fan. It makes me look at this in a way where it's everything looks very unfortunate. Wait a second. You're not a Buffalo Sabres fan, Joe. Oh, I know. The lies. The lies. Breaking news, but like it's, but this is the thing where like you look at it, you, you kind of get where everybody's coming from. Like, and hindsight helps that out, but like, it doesn't make it look better. <laughs> like that's the whole thing. Like hindsight makes it clear as to what everybody is thinking. Everybody wants to do. doesn't make it any better because the re- results were still the same and the results are still terrible. And here we are. I mean, let's talk about the kid coming over. Uh, mm-hmm. Talk about what the Sabres are getting back here in this trade. I mean, here we are, Joe, right? You got All you can do is we're here again, and the Sabres as an organization, you move forward. So mm-hmm. Jack now is in the rearview mirror. Let's talk about the, the kid coming over the prospect here and, and and what you think, how the Sabres did on the, on the receiving end of this deal. Mm-hmm. And also want to talk about the current vibe. If the playoffs started today, they would be in the playoffs. Nice little start, five and three. I know they've lost two in a row. But maybe, you know, I mean, we've talked a little bit about Granado here and his team and the system here. I know it's early. It's eight games. But mm. let's talk about the, the trade for the Sabres, what they're getting here, and then let's talk about the vibes right now on this team and and how we can kind of look at the Sabres moving forward. Well, I, I, I like this return. You know, I, I think after the buildup of how much, you know, how much Adams wanted to get, you know, the, the four first-round quality picked the whole thing after that kind of build up and like that kind of weight you're just it, this comes through and you're just kind of like man you waited for this yeah no man okay like i mean on Half the, of the on rangers the were face, going in one yeah, trade like well <laughs> the rangers had like about seven untouchable prospects apparently 
they wanted to try to get by on trading like their, you know, their 2019 fifth rounder. Be like, that's good enough for Jack, right? <laughs> that can get it done, can it? How about these bad contracts? How about you take the? It was that was like a video game try to trade. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, keep throwing, keep throwing enough stuff on the one side. Be like, this will work, right? Yeah, this is fine. <laughs> But I, th- I think in this case, like you look at the return and like Alex Tuck's a good player, like damn good player. He's nice. Yeah, like I love the way he plays. He's aggressive. He's he's semi local. He's from Baldwinsville, New York, which is out by Syracuse. Super. When he when he played his first game out here, I think he brought a busload of 40 to 50 people to watch us to watch awesome. watch him play. Like the post game. I well, didn't know, you know that. So that's great. This little hometown yeah. guy joining the team. I, I, I mean, positive. you know couple a couple hours down the road two He's and a half good for 100 hours. season tickets maybe yeah I, I, that's that's in the back of their mind that's a really smart move because they, <laughs> they can use them but like i i like the way he plays i i mean on this team i mean i think he's a great fit on this team i i can't wait to see him when he when he's healthy and ready to go um but the main piece here was krebs and Kre- peyton krebs was the guy that if buffalo was going to deal with vegas that's the guy they had to get like it wasn't like a question of you know if they get him they had to get him mm. like, if you're trading them Jack Eichel you need to get Peyton Krebs you don't have a choice you come away with you know I I think you know some of the other guys that were were talked about was uh was uh, the defenseman uh, what's his name is it Haig Nick Haig maybe uh I'm, I'm blanking out here Paul it's all right well, Joe. Like, it's early it's early in the morning <laughs> yeah, it feels it feels like it um <laughs> but like. You know, there were talk of like, you know, if it's not Krebs, then maybe you, you take the defenseman or like a couple of these other like, you know, younger prospects who are who aren't in the league yet. And you're like, OK, well, I guess they could do that. But eh, I don't know. I don't know if this really works out right. Like you couldn't come away with the trade saying like Vegas still has their top guy, their mm-hmm. top prospect. You cannot like you cannot leave that on the table. That's what happened with O'Reilly. Like when, you know, Tage Thompson was an all right get, but like when Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo were still on the, you know, still there and you're just kind of like, wait, you didn't get either of those guys for Ryan O'Reilly. Really? <laughs> Fascinating. I can't believe, can't believe he did that. But like it's this, they didn't do that this time, which good. <laughs> you shouldn't, <laughs> you shouldn't be doing that. So that's, that's good. And you know, the, the top 10 protected, you know, first round pick in this upcoming draft. Do we really believe Vegas is going to miss the playoffs? Like, I mean, they got I like know. five guys Better out. They get injured. the racks together. They're not well, looking good yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah. But like, they got like, they got a ton of guys out hurt. And like, I mean, just look at that. William Carlson, Pacioretty, Nolan Patrick, Stone. Like, those are four really important. Are they dudes. on Kucherov's yacht? Are they down in Tampa with Kucherov? <laughs> and if they are, they better get off it. They, better, they know they can't hang out there till the end of the season. Because in that case, the top ten protected pick looks like a genius move on on Kelly McCrimmon's part. But, um, but I mean, if we're expecting them to miss the playoffs, like I don't know, man. I don't, I don't believe that for for a second. Mm-hmm. But like, even still, like if they miss it and they're you know they barely miss if it's if they you know if they win the lottery and move up to eleventh, cool. Buffalo's got number eleven. They're good. Buffalo's probably going to be picking somewhere in the top ten anyway. So, you know, uh, it, it's 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 just weird. That it it just feels like it's like man it took this long to get this done this feels like an offer that they would have had on the table back in July and well, you know it, I mean, does it, I mean ref- I, it probably reflects Joe I'm sure the book will come out and we'll find out how many trades they tried to make right right 
And at the end of the day, you get to the point where your season starts and everybody else has got their teams, their coaching, their plans, everything is in place. And you know with the parity of the league right now and everything else, and then his health issue, maybe at the end of the day, we're going to find out that this was the best he they could get. And maybe the huge mistake is they didn't do it right away. Yeah. And I mean, you can't say he wasn't exhaustive in trying to, to get everything figured out. Like you don't, you don't take things out this long, you know, five, six months to, to, to not do due diligence. He did. Mm -hmm. Like I, you know, Adams, you know, he said he talked to everybody, you know, on the, 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 the call today, he says, he's like, I talked to everybody. It wasn't necessarily about a trade, you know, it wasn't necessarily about, you know, with an offer on the table, but it was, you know, it was checking on, uh, you know, the health checking on, you know, you know, will they take, you know, will the Sabres keep salary, you know, you know, where, you know, where are things at, where are things going? Like, Teams that had hard offers on the table. I mean, I mean, we all heard about the the Calgary thing got really hot this week, and it turns out that may have not been, may may not have actually been what you know. Matthew Kachuk was not actually being yeah, made available I, there. I thought like people were smoking a little bit of the ganja on those. Stuff. Well, I mean, hey, if they were cool, like that's good for, yeah, good for them, man. But like, <laughs> uh, but like, Calgary's playing like, good. They don't got to get rid of anybody now. No, man. Like, plus, like, you know, some people. I don't know. Kachuk's more, I think Kachuk is more valuable to what Calgary's doing than what, I mean, granted, you add Eichel to Calgary, that's a big friggin' get. Like, but like, Kachuk, yeah, but you man, like, five months. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. And, you know, and then, then Jack's got to adjust to how Daryl Sutter wants to play things up there. That could take no, a little while. That's not going to work now. That could take a little while. Coach Sutter's got him in a good spot, man. That Pacific yeah. division no, is as tough as it boring. used to be, man. They're boring as heck to watch, but like, that's, but Winning. like they play the same way they, they play the same way the Kings did when when he coached the Kings and the Kings were so there's Kings a championship were, in their midst. Well, listen, in their future. If Jacob Markstrom keeps playing the way he is, man, we'll go. It's all lining they're gonna up. They're going to be real tough. But like, you know, but like I mean, for what Kachuk does me, for that me team, he's at like, the he's, NHL store in the city and let's get some Flames jerseys together. <laughs> <laughs> You get Johnny Gaudreau, I'll get Matt Kachuk, and we'll, yes, we'll call Johnny it Johnny Hockey, baby. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> but, man, no, no, no. I got to get Bonjapani. I got to get I got, I gotta nice. get the man who eats bread. The Italian nice. the, the Italian for bread eater. Like, that, Bonjapani. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Love him, man. He's so good. But, like, but yeah, man. Like, this is just, I don't know. You, you, just on the face of it, you're just kind of like, wow, that's, that's all it took. And because you, you, everything gets built up so much over time. And I don't know. I, I think this is a trade that ultimately is going to look pretty good for, for both teams in the end because Jack, you know, Jack's Jack Vegas got the best guy. Uh, but Krebs Krebs could be really good. Is and he the only reason tonight? he's going to Rochester, <sighs> he's going to Rochester to get, to get acclimated to being in a new organization, which I don't oh, hate. Come that move. on. They're playing the crack. I, I don't hate put him on the plane in the West coast. Get him in one of those beautiful royal blue uniforms and get him out of the ice. What is he waiting for? Listen, I don't disagree. But he gets to wear a beautiful Amherst uniform. Have you seen the Rochester Americans uniforms, man? They're really good. I uh, hint, Joe, holy for Christmas. (laughs) Holy for Christmas. (laughs) You want the red, white, or blue one? (laughs) Oh, man, that's so nice. I I, I know what? When we're done here, I'm going to Amazon. (laughs) I should have an Amherst jersey by now. But, like... But yeah, but like, but like, think of the, but like, uh, what Jack Quinn and JJ Paterka are playing lights out right now at Rochester. They're lighting it up. Like those two are on a line together. They're playing great. And now Peyton Krebs is going to get to center him. Like, okay. See, future <laughs> looks right. bright, baby. 
that's a pretty great that's a pretty great first line to to and a line that you can have play together and learn learn the ropes together and then maybe you can call them all up together and then voila you've got a number one line that has been playing together for a while so here we go joe so let's so that, like they, sabers don't really have a number one line right now but if those guys are all on all on their game and like quinn can score like that at the nhl level and paterka can push the game at his level krebs we already know can play a little bit in the nhl but if those three are together ooh, it's interesting that's really interesting. And you might see them by January, February up at the big team. <laughs> you might. You might. You might. You I, might. I, I mean, it's, you could see them in January, February. You could see them in December. Who knows? Who knows? Like, I mean, that's the thing. Like, if, if Quinn and Paterka is still going to score at like, over a point a game pace in the AHL, and then Kre- Krebs, you know, can, can play in the, in the NHL. I don't know. Like, this is the thing. This is the thing that's gotten Sabres into trouble, trouble in the past. You get guys that are prospects, and you got them playing well in one spot, and then you're like, all right, that's enough. Come up. Time to get up here. And then, oh, crap, this team's not very good. And now this team has – this line, these guys have to do everything for this team all at once. And now it's like, uh-oh, too much. So you still think, even with Granado now behind the helm, you still think that – or are you just hoping that pattern kind of breaks? I'm – I guess we'll maybe – what we'll do is I'd like to maybe get this – get into this with you more next week as far mm-hmm. as now that this, this trade is done and now looking at the Sabres they'll have a week here coming back from the West Coast here um, and how they're looking and maybe get into this roster a little bit more now and now mm-hmm. that Jack Eichel's in the rearview mirror I'd love to kind of look into where they're going and it'll be another couple of games we, you know we talk here eight, eight you know, nine games played <clears throat> usually between 10 and 10 15 games that's when you can start to kind of uh, get a grasp on, on where a team may or may be going uh May or may not be going. Obviously, injuries yeah. aside, you know, and everything else, and uh, guys. And I'll, COVID. I'll tell you this right now: I not like how they played on this road trip. I mean, there's been some bad yeah. luck goals. There's been mm-hmm. you know some stuff off the skates. Whatever, like, you can't do anything about that. But like their play overall, not encouraging. And the like, are easy. They're gonna have a tough night tonight too. Yeah, they they will. And that's I mean they've never been in that barn before. From what I've seen on TV, it looks like it's a raucous place to play. Like mm-hmm. pe- fans are pumped up, so. That ain't going to be an easy game regardless. And I don't know, man. Like, they got to show me a little bit of a fight back tonight. I got to see, I got to see a little bit more of a return to like what it was before because right now, like, not getting the matchups on the road seems to be really hurting them because everybody who has, who's played so well the, the, the first six, seven games when they were, you know, most of them at home haven't looked that great. So that's a little troubling. Now, on the good part, Jeff Skinner popping off for a couple of goals in the last game. That was pretty nice to see. He's looked I, to me. He's looked fantastic. But um, you know, people want more goals. Hey, fine. He got a, he popped a couple him. the other night. That's good. Let the sea um, on Skinner. Let's go. But uh, I don't think that's gonna happen. Come but, on. Uh, it's not. That's that's <laughs> that's not gonna happen. Um, and that's not. You know, that's not me dogging on Skinner. He's really good, but that ain't going to happen. <laughs> I'm am, I am driving up to Buffalo. I'm stopping at the Amerks team shop. I'm going to get me a Rochester jersey, and I'm making a big sign. I'm going to go into the, the Sabres arena. I'm going to hold it up. I'm going to give Skinner the C in my Amerks jersey. You'll, you'll immediately have a lot of friends <laughs> because Jeff Skinner is like a heartthrob. Still, I remember yeah, baby. his rookie season in, in Carolina. I, I, was, I went to the All-Star game that year in, in Raleigh. And Skinner made the all-star all-star team. And like, he was the toast of the town. 
they were running out of letters to put on the jersey because people were people kept asking for Skinner jerseys. They were running out of N's and E's and R's yeah. <laughs> to That's make awesome. other jerseys. People were wanting like I don't know why people wanted this, but people wanted to get like a Corey Perry All Star jersey and just like sorry, we're out of we're out of R's. <laughs> what why? I mean out of R's. Like, well, everybody wants a Skinner one. Like, well, one of the guys have N's in their name. Like, so, yeah, you tell me I can't get an Ovechkin jersey? Come on. <laughs> Too much. But look, hey Joe. In all seriousness now, the Sabres can exhale here a little bit. And yeah. more importantly, it's not so much the fan base and everything. They'll be back when things turn around. Mm-hmm. But for Granado, uh, the team, the players now, they can kind of just kind of move forward here. Mm-hmm. Uh, get these young guys in the mix here down the road. And they can just, the bus is just going forward now. And I think that's the best thing that anybody could ask for as far as being the Sabres fans now and and maybe they just stay in the mix here in this Atlantic division. Who knows? They may be messing around here sometime in the spring. But we'll see, buddy. We'll see. We'll see. The, the, the good thing is, is that everybody can breathe easy. And now it's time to move ahead. Because now this this officially starts the, new, the next chapter for Buffalo. Certainly does. Joe, great stuff today. We'll see you on the Twitter later, watching the Kraken. Check in Absolutely. with you. All right, yeah. I know you got a busy day ahead. You got a, a lot of discussions on this topic today. But anyway, happy Jack Eichel Day, brother. And we'll see you next week. <laughs> we'll see you next week, Paul. It'll be fun. You got it. Joe Yard everybody right here. The Goods and THS rolls out. Well, all right, it's time to head on out to the great Midwest, the great city of Chicago. And bringing our good friend, Mr. Tab Bamford. Tab, what's going on on your side of the town out in Chicago, buddy? It is chilly. We're, uh, we're waking up and dropping the kids off at school, and it's like 35 degrees. We, uh, we decided that fall was nice, but optional. Uh, <laughs> and literally went from like upper 70s to 30s in like the span of a week so if you didn't have a headache watching the chicago blackhawks play you've got a headache from allergies at this point so here we are and forgetting Mm -hmm. to put the ice scraper back in the car the truck for the frost in the morning like uh yeah we we hit the we hit the remote start burn six dollars in gas while we finish brushing our teeth before we go out there (laughs) hope that the seat heaters make it comfortable before you show up Ah, oh, the fabulous life, man. Fabulous life. So, buddy, here we are. We're going to talk a little Jack Eichel today, and I guess we should follow up from our um, the fallout uh, from last week and the investigation. So um, what's been going on by you? I know you still got the, the great book, the Chicago Blackhooks Illustrated History. So what's been going on with that? And, and love to get some vibes from, from what you've been doing there and What's the talk of the town out there? Yeah, so uh, yeah, with the uh, with the book, we've got even with some of the COVID protocols, starting to do some events out there. Had a nice book signing and a watch party at Orange and Brew Tap Room uh, last night. Uh, outstanding crowd, and lots of the questions that were fielded in my general direction before the game and between periods, and frankly during the periods were kind of about what the what the hell's going on with the Blackhawks. And I think at this point, um, it's kind of become a see where the next shoe drops, unfortunately. Everyone's kind of 
waiting to see what happens next. I think, you know, the initial statements from Kane and Taves weren't received as well as they probably uh, would have liked. Um, but both, to their credit, Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves have come back. They initially were asked their two cents on what had happened. Um, and, you know, the second half of the question was, what do you think about Stan getting run, Stan Bowman? Uh, and their responses were, you know, feel terrible for the kid. And then a little bit about their personal relationships with Stan Bowman, who had been the, the general manager and then president of hockey operations for a decade, which is the lion's share of their careers in Chicago. And he has signed both of them to, uh, you know, $6 million bridge deals. And now the ones that they're still playing on that are paying them north of 10. So, um, you know, obviously, I think the public was hoping to hear from the captain and uh, his wingman literally and figuratively uh, over the past 15 years, which is crazy to think that it's been 15 years of 1988 in Chicago. They were looking for a little more sympathy for the, the victim in this case. And to their credit, both of them came back and said, you know, we'd feel bad that our initial statements were more about our personal relationships with those who have, you know, lost their jobs. And it was extending sympathy and remorse for how things were dealt with and, you know, just feeling terrible for Kyle Beach. And so there's a growing process there. Um, I think it's easy to forget that at the time that the accusations were levied and things were mishandled, uh, Taves was 22, Kane was 21. Um, yes, Jonathan Taves was a captain, and I'm not making any excuses for a captain, but they were insulated from a lot of it. And a lot of the, the guys that were in that core group back then have repeatedly said that they didn't know at the time some of them have acknowledged that they found out when they returned to training camp the following year. So I'm not sure that we'll ever get an absolute who knew and who didn't know. Uh, at this point, I think what we look for is how do we grow from it and how does the organization proactively not only fix their wrongs, but also how do they outwardly show us that they're trying to change the culture. And you see that a lot in professional sports, unfortunately. Some organizations try, and some just bury it. You know, the Washington football team is going through a lawsuit right now that's ugly. Uh, some of the blowback from that cost John Gruden his job. Now you see the the Phoenix Suns owner is, has got some controversy with the way that they do business in the desert. Um, unfortunately, the Blackhawks aren't alone in having scandals right now in professional sports. And, you know, Paul, we... We talk baseball a lot, too, and we've talked about how different teams have dealt with domestic violence issues in Major League Baseball. Mm -hmm. I think each organization needs to be reflective when they approach these things and do the right thing. And sometimes the, the right thing has a lot of caveats that you and I in the media or Joe Public fan don't know about. And so um, we can only speak from our perspective. And I think last week on the show, we shared emotionally uh, some of the perspective that we have on the matter as parents, as fans, as media folks um, and people that have interacted with some of these players in the past. Uh, so now we're looking for what the next steps are from the organization and how they look to actively right the ship. Uh, and the, one of the first steps was getting the name of uh, the piece of crap human being who assaulted Kyle Beach 
uh, X'd off of the Stanley Cup, which it looks like images were put out this morning that that's taken place already. So Brad Aldrich's name is no longer visible, but there's a scar. And I think that's how we should refer to it. There is a scar on the Stanley Cup where the name of someone who sexually assaulted a player was put on the cup. Uh, and it's disappointing that if they knew this going into it, that whoever was spell checking the list was like, hey, maybe we leave the video coach off this time. So um, it's still uncomfortable, I think, at best. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of frustration from Blackhawks fans right now. And, you know, the the delicate balance here is that not only is there anger and frustration about what happened 11 years ago off the ice, but that's really overwhelmed the frustration and frankly fans are pissed off at how they're playing on the ice because they're terrible uh they gave carolina a a decent go at it last night they took a one goal lead into the third period they had a two goal lead in the second and lost and they're finding ways to lose games i we've talked in the past carolina on paper far superior to what the blackhawks bring to the table but all of the changes that the Blackhawks made to try and put themselves back into a playoff position right now just aren't working. But a lot of people, the conversation has moved away from the flawed product on the ice to the damaged reputation of the brand. So let me answer this tab. Um, I haven't looked in too much on the highlights. I mean, I saw a little bit. Obviously, um, Monday night there, they had a good night against the Sens, and Kanner gets uh hat-trick, and Taze, you know, set him up a bunch of times. Um, and then last night, I was at... Um, Looking in on, I'm trying to zero in on the pulse of the fan base. Because we touched on it last week a little bit, and obviously Coach Q being fired and let go. Um, as far as where 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 do you sit as a fan or where the fans sit in? I guess, like I said, it's, it's a unique situation. Again, none of this really matters with regards to Kyle Beach and what he's gone through. But it's something that I just want to, I guess, now, with the, the whole point of this now, you know, you, there's, a, a, the, there's a point of moving forward is what I meant to say. Yeah. and So how I have think... the fans reacted to the team at the, at, the, at the home barn there the last couple of nights? And you hanging out with fans the other night at your, um, last night at your, your book signing and stuff. What, what's the general vibe? Is like, you know, is there a, you know, you, you talk about the, the tarnish of the the Stanley Cup there and, and the scar. So as a fan base, as as uh, you know, you know people who just love this team and love the players, and you talked about it last week too. Is you, you have to kind of let the guys on the ice. You know, we've got to focus on them too, separately in some ways, as regards to the sins of the organization or the sins of the the guys who who are the leaders in this organization. So I'm just trying to trying to vi- uh, zero in a little bit on the vibe now of the fallout. Amongst like guys like yourself and the fan base, some of the experience that you had last night in terms of discussions with the fans. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, again, the majority of the conversation right now is still about the Kyle Beach situation, and you have games that break that. Are people mad? Are people do, yes? Do they feel let down. Do they feel disappointed? Do you think like nobody less people came out to the games the last couple of nights? Absolutely, the barn's been half empty. Their decade-long sellout streak ended, um, and I don't think that I, I think it would be naive to chalk it up as a COVID protocol. It's harder to get in with a mask on, and you got to have a vax card and all the other stuff. It's not that. 
the fan many fans have turned their back on the organization at this point and are waiting to see how they try to regain their faith before they regain their dollars um you know i've got friends one of my neighbors sons went to the game last wednesday uh got in for like 35 bucks it's not like the $300 to get in ticket anymore. Mm-hmm. We, are, we are back to the dark ages of the Chicago Blackhawks before 1988 arrived where you can show up with a student ID on the day of a game and get in for cheap. Wow. And, you know, they're still schlepping season tickets. They, two years ago, they still claimed that they had a multi-year waiting list and thousands of names waiting to buy tickets. Clearly that's gone because they're back to offering three and nine and 12 game plans to people. So there are empty seats. I think that that's a reflection more as much of the way that things happened with the Kyle Beach situation as it is the play on the ice. But, you know, like we talked about last week, the the Blackhawks picked up their first win of the season against Ottawa. Uh, I think that that helped alleviate some of the pressure that the players were feeling to not only get a win this season, but I think it kind of amped up what they were dealing with from a, we need to change what the storyline is, change the narrative around the Blackhawks, get back in the column and, and do things on the ice that are going to give somebody something good to talk about. Um, but that didn't last. That was one game deep. And now they've got one win uh, in 10 starts. So an eighth of their season is gone and they've got four points to show for it, which is brutal. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're on their way to, you know, probably a top five pick the way that they're playing on the ice. And the problem is, if it isn't number one or number two, that pick's going to go to Columbus because of the Seth Jones trade. That's right. And so, you know, you know how fans are. Everything gets amplified and everything gets lumped together. So not only is Stan Bowman a piece of crap human being for covering up the Kyle Beach assault, but then he saddled the organization on his way out the door with a bunch of terrible contracts. And people are still blasting Seth Jones, who I, I think he's played fairly well. Um, are there times that you'd like him to be better? Sure, but we've talked about it. Jeremy Colton's system sucks. There isn't a system a lot of the time. He's throwing defensemen out there with different partners every time, so consistency is nowhere to be found. Um, people are looking at Jonathan Taves not having a goal, and this is one of the longest streaks that he's had in his career to start a season without scoring a goal. Uh, as I tweeted this morning, it's probably because Jeremy Colton refuses to put him on the ice to bring it or Kane. He has spent twice as much ice time at five on five with Jujar Kiera, who was a 13th forward in Edmonton last year, uh, who's here to be a grinder, uh, as he has with Kane or to at five on five in the seven games that Patrick Kane has been healthy. Jonathan Taves has been on the ice for eight minutes with John, with Patrick Kane, at even, and you wonder why you're struggling to score goals. I get it. They're trying to trade Dylan Strom. He's a healthy scratch every night, but they're rolling rookies out there like Reese Johnson, who's getting literally six minutes. You're struggling for offense, and you're going to put Dylan Strom in a suit upstairs and have a kid play six minutes. Um, so there's a lot broken in the Chicago Blackhawks organization right now. The interim GM is now going to be tasked with I would argue soon, if it's not happening already, a conversation about what Jeremy Colton's job security is. 
And now Mark Crawford, an assistant coach who obviously has a long resume in the National Hockey League, is out of COVID protocol. So you have a seasoned NHL coach on the bench who you could very easily hand the reins to if they decided to make a move there. But I think those above Kyle Davidson, the interim GM, on the food chain need to make the decision with him. You know, how much power does he ultimately have as an interim GM? He has made a signing. He signed a a kid that they drafted in the seventh round in 2020 the other day. So he's made one official deal as the GM, but obviously firing a head coach is a different animal because they've only done that once in 12 years. Uh, So does the interim GM have the power to do that? Or does someone come to him and let him know that he's got the green light to pull the plug? We'll see. Um, But I think that there's too much money invested in this roster. There's too much skill available to the coaches for them to have one regulation win or win period and four points to show for their first 10 games of the season. Tab, is there any, any any discussion? Sorry to cut you off there. Is there any discussion about bringing in an, another GM, an experienced guy? Uh, you know, obviously Bowman wore two hats. He was not only the general manager, but he was also the president of hockey operations. Jeff Gordon. And Jeff Gordon. Hey, I, I wrote that on the 1st of July. Jeff Gordon is sitting there. What he did for the Rangers, Chris Drury is going to sit back and crack his knuckles and put his hands behind his head and enjoy. Now, look, kudos to Drury for getting a deal done with Adam Fox. I think seven by nine and a half is tremendous. Uh, I thought it would be eight by ten. So in that neighborhood. Uh, but to have Adam Fox locked up for the next seven and a half, seven point eight, whatever years is huge for the New York Rangers, but the roster that he's got to work with and to play with, and they're going to have some cap headaches. Don't let's not sugarcoat it. How they afford that nine and a half next year is still TBD. Mm -hmm. Um, But Jeff Gordon handed Chris Drury uh, a pretty well-stocked system uh, loaded with defensemen specifically. And I think, you know, one of the other things that we're going to talk about here is, you know, the Rangers were a team that did not, at the end of the day, finish the deal and pull the trigger on Jack Eichel. And whether the Sabres didn't want him to stay in the state of New York is, is beside the point. Clearly, with the value that they got back, they were looking for some replacements at center ice. And Gordon was pretty focused on having defensemen in the pipeline. So, um, you know, I, I think Gordon would be a tremendous fit, whether or not they, they're willing to make him the president of hockey operations. I don't know. Well, do you There's think, been a lot. Don't you think right now? All right, this is this is my opinion. I think right now that the Chicago Blackhawks need somebody in there now who's got experience, some clout, give them the freaking tags, and so he can start making really good, solid decisions right now for the organization. Yeah. I as far as I agree with a lot of things with Colin and too. I know you know him much better too, but I'm also of the opinion that you know what, five more games here. And you know maybe you you, you give you just gotta just kind of you gotta find some some stability here and some knowledge and some experience now for this team because with with Taze and Kane here and and there's a there's a young talented team here we're talking about the fan base um, it's brittle right now obviously it's brutal what the organization's going through so you have to find some kind of you know you ultimately you gotta steer the ship back into the right current. 
And so I'm like, you know, they need to get somebody in there immediately. Uh, what the, the interim, the interim GM here, what kind of experience has he got? What's his, what's his story? His so Kyle Davidson, I mean, it, it's, it's similar in a lot of ways to Stan Bowman's progression into becoming the GM when they ran Dale Talon out the door. He, he, he was brought in and he's an analytics guy who has been the CBA and salary cap expert for the last few years. So this is a guy who, who's, he's been with the organization for years he understands the player movement. He's been part of the conversations. He knows the money side of the thing, and he's been involved on the analytics side and talent evaluation. So I think Kyle Davidson should have a pretty good grasp of what they have and what's going on. Um, I think that the hiccup here in doing something immediately, and I'm with you, I'm like, they need to, if Davidson is going to remain the interim GM and you want to hire a more permanent GM to work with him, make him the assistant GM and have him run the AHL affiliate and elevate him and throw a little more coin at him, but give him a little more responsibility. Um, When you look at some of the names that are out there that have been mentioned, one that has prominently been mentioned, who I think would be a tremendous check all the, not only the gets it boxes, but also the understands the culture of the organization uh, is Eddie Olchek. And look, this is a guy who, Grew up in Chicago, drafted third overall by the Blackhawks, played a wonderful career. He knows every team in the league from being a national television voice. He does the home games with Pat Foley, whose contract was not renewed, so Pat Foley will be done at the end of this year. So if you wanted to go completely clean slate in the TV booth, you would be able to replace Foley and Olchek if Olchek decides to move up to the presidency. Uh, and then you could look at bringing in a guy like Gordon, but all the – Kevin Weeks' name has been mentioned as a possible GM or president of hockey operations. Really? The, I see. I don't – the TV guys. But, 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 but this is the thing. A lot of these guys – look, Gorton is working on t- on the TV side. Olchek's working on the TV side. Yeah, I know, but Gorton's got the – he's got the experience of running an organization. Eddie doesn't. I mean, I love Eddie. No disrespect to him. But Well, him- and that's where I say, look, Eddie knows – I think a lot of people forget that he was Sidney Crosby's first coach in Pittsburgh. Weeks hasn't done anything in a front office for, for a franchise at all. But but I think one of the benefits that you have in the roles that Olchek and Weeks have is you might not be breaking down and evaluating talent on every roster in terms of doing it from a front office perspective, but they're doing it professionally at, at for an audience. And I think a lot of the way that analytics are being injected into broadcast now, these are guys that know every player on every team. They know the ins and outs. And that's where I think, again, Bowman wore the hats of the president of hockey ops and GM. And I think that what may ultimately happen is you bring in someone as the president of hockey operations who's going to steer the culture of the organization and then bring in a GM and separate the two roles. And whether that general manager is Jeff Gordon or if they leave Kyle Davidson in the role, which I, I don't think is out of the picture completely. Um, but I, I think that may be ultimately what they need to do at this point is find someone as the president of hockey operations to really come in and rectify the culture of the organization and then have a GM who's handling the nuts and bolts of building a roster, getting the team cap compliant and making sure that they're competing or building, you know, adding assets for the future and, and shifting back into a rebuild where 
the Hawks allegedly were until Bowman had cap space this summer and decided to go for it again. So there's, I mean, there's so many variables right now. I think the guy that would be the easiest to get out of his TV contract would be Jeff Gordon. Like I said, I wrote that Gordon should replace Stan Bowman on the 1st of July. Um, his track record with the Rangers is something that I think lots of organizations would benefit from having someone with that track record coming in. So whether or not they can find someone who is available right now to be the president of hockey operations is a tough buy because, again, Gorton, Weeks, Olchek, they've all got TV deals right now. Um, so you may be looking for that president of hockey operations at the end of the season. But if they empower Kyle Davidson to make some decisions and move forward this season as though he is an acting general manager more than an interim general manager, if you empower him to make some decisions, uh, given the tenure that he has with the organization, I think it would be interesting to see what he can do. Because you're getting to a point now, you're 10 games in, that's enough of a sample size that you know what's working and what isn't and who should probably stay and who should go. And look, they've got some... They've got two more years after this at $5 million per on Tyler Johnson, who's in COVID protocol right now. Uh, that's one of the worst contracts in the NHL. And at only $5 million, you're like, eh, it's not so bad. Well, uh, for a lot of teams, that's more than you want to stomach. And with the Blackhawks coming in, again, I think Jeremy Carlton has completely mishandled the roster that he's been given. It's been a debacle from the jump. But you bring in a guy who's the 13th forward on the Stanley Cup winner and you try and make him your first-line center. No. Um, hell no. Uh, is, there could still be value in Tyler Johnson if he's put in a position that better suits where his game is at at this stage in his career. But Colton hasn't done that. So um, I think that there's a lot of dead weight in the organization that probably needs to be considered. They have way too many defensemen. Uh, they've got a lot of young defensemen who are waiting for their chance, whose entry-level contracts are getting burned for nothing. And so... I think bringing in a guy like Kyle Davidson and giving him enough leeway that he can start moving the puck forward to adapt a cliche here is necessary because I think that there are teams that are dealing with injuries right now uh, that are have more legitimate playoff and Stanley Cup aspirations than what we've seen from these Blackhawks would be willing to make a, a deal at this point. But... The caveat on all that, the 37-point font asterisk on all of that statement is, first and foremost, I believe that the Chicago Blackhawks need to make a coaching change. And if it's Mark Crawford, I'm fine with that. But bring in someone that's got experience who can do a better job of putting players in a position to potentially succeed and evaluate your roster once you give it the ability to develop some chemistry and see what you actually have. And the, the rock and the hard place here is, should the Hawks sell on paper? Sure. But if you bring in a coach that has a clue, who is actually putting these players in a position to potentially succeed, not scratching Dylan Strom, uh, if he, you believe he's one of the four better centers on your roster, which I would submit he would be the fourth-line center, which is not a role for him. If that's the case, trade him already. At $3 million, there's enough potential that someone somewhere would pull the trigger. Um, but bring in a coach that's got enough of an understanding of how to run an NHL team to and give that coach 10 games worth of run to evaluate what he has 
in a system that might functionally produce and then make a decision. And I think that that buys you time to make more of a permanent decision uh, in the short and long term on things like a president and a, and a GM. But you have to put systems in place that are going to potentially work before you can have a fire sale. I mean, look, the St. Louis Blues were in a worse spot than the Blackhawks are now the year they won the Stanley Cup. I mean, that was after Christmas when they decided to flip the switch. Uh, this is a team that's good enough that there's potential for them to flip the switch at some point, but it's not going to happen with the way Jeremy Collins running the roster right See, now. See, that's you know you say you know I'm with I I think the time right now is, is Hawks ownership. I think it's now. Look there the I know you talk four points right now. Look at the talented team there. You, I think they got to do all this now. Get it done. It's early enough in the season. There is no. There is no wrong way of thinking that if you got the right people in there and stabilized your 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 bench boss and your front office and your management with experience right now, you have a couple of talented, experienced guys here, and you can start building. You know, take care of the strong thing and get moving here, because in the next fifteen twenty games, you can do it here, especially in the Central Division, I believe, and the rest of the the Pacific, as far as the conference is concerned. They get on a run here at some point and put up some wins, but I think they have to do it now. They've got to move oh, on this now. Yeah, I, I agree with you, but I, like I said, I think if I'm laying out the way that the dominoes need to fall, the first domino that needs to fall is you need to rectify the coaching situation and then give that head coach someone with experience, which Mark Crawford is already on the bench. He's an but, assistant. Give him enough time to truly evaluate before you bring in a GM, before you bring in a full-time GM? Yeah, because I'm again, I think the only guy that you would realistically with GM experience that you'd be able to talk out of a TV deal at this point or who's available on the market that would be a really strong sign would be Gordon. And yeah, I'd love to see him bring Gordon in, make Crawford the coach and just get the ball rolling and move. Yeah. But again, like I think there's there's I'm intrigued by Kyle Davidson. I really am. Um, you, don't, and, you don't get rid of him, obviously, like you were saying. You keep him in the right. organization and, and, and groom yeah. him and get him going. But I think ownership needs to step in and give Kyle Davidson the green light to make a coaching change. Mm-hmm. And that buys you some. And then you say, look, here's what we're going to do. Carlton's gone. Crawford's taking over. If Crawford wants to make changes to the the rest of his coaching staff, for example, if he wanted Brian Campbell to come in and replace Sheldon Brookbank working with the defenseman, Campbell's working in the organization already. Uh, I think we've talked about that already. Um, get, say we're going to make the coaching change. We're going to give Mark Crawford 10 games of runway to see if he can right the ship with what we've got and really critically evaluate what we have, what we need, what we don't need, and where we need to go to either get this thing in the playoffs or start augmenting the roster and looking to the future. And that gives you a 10 game, let's call 20 day window in which if you decide Kyle Davidson is your guy, okay, then make it permanent uh, and give him the, the full brevity to make the deals that he needs to do and just own the fact that you're going to go find a president of hockey ops and Kyle Davidson is reporting directly to ownership with whatever he's going to do until the time comes that, in the off season when their TV contracts are up for renewal or whatever, you can formally go out and bring in a Gordon 
or an old chick or a weeks or whomever you want to make the president of hockey operations. But the first thing that you need to do that I, I think ownership would need to do in any event is make the coaching change and then rectify the systems that are being implemented on the ice and the way that the roster is being used so that you can more properly evaluate who has it, who doesn't and who you need to go with from there. It's uh, yeah, it's interesting, man. They're in a, they're in a, a very unique situation, uh, you know, coming, like I said, out of an awful investigation here. And, and like I said, the organization just has to find a way to uh, move forward, not forget, but move forward um, and start winning hockey games again for everything uh, as far as they're concerned. All right, so, Tad, what we'll do, we'll leave the Hawks there and we'll, we'll, we'll follow up next week. And who knows, maybe we'll have some changes. We'll see what's going on. We'll see what the team is. Uh, you know, with another few games under their belt now uh, moving forward here. Uh, I want to get your take on Jack Eichel here. Obviously, it's Jack Eichel Day. He ends up in Vegas. Um, I want to get your take on, on you know, what the Sabres got back here as far as their prospects. prospects. And um, it's probably going to be four to five months before you see uh, Eichel put on a, a Vegas uh, sweater. But um, it's down. I know you know the numbers, uh, and this is uh, a topic that you're really good on in terms of uh, – evaluating uh, when a trade like this goes down as far as how these two organizations are going to move forward. But uh, get your take on it finally being over and Eichel becoming a, a knight and the uh, Buffalo Sabres, or, Sabres organization can now move on. Yeah, I, I, I think it's good for the guys that are working their butts off on the ice for the Sabres to have this cloud lifted. Granado's doing too good of a job coaching. By the way, a Chicago guy. Um <laughs> Just going to throw that out there immediately. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I think it's good because I think right now the Sabres are overperforming expectations, which is great for them. I think Granado's doing a great job. It's good for them to have this gone. And the, look, the difference between the Sabres and Blackhawks was that this the Sabres players were answering questions about something they could not control. And it all – took was ownership and the front office finally making the deal for them to stop having to answer those questions. The Blackhawks players aren't going to be able to stop answering those questions because it isn't a make a trade and things move on situation. But look, Eichel's gone. And now you look at what Vegas has and what Vegas has is $27 million on long-term injured reserve. <laughs> 20. When you put it that way. <laughs> Uh, like I'm looking at cap friendly right now, Eichel at ten, Mark Stone at nine and a half, and Patches at seven, and then Jake Bischoff. Um, but you've got three of your highest paid players on long term injured reserve. I don't think Eichel's going to play a second for them this year. I really don't. Um, I think he's. he's it sounds like he's going to have the procedure done. Right now, Vegas is sitting at ten million and change over the cap uh they'd probably need to shave about 10.4 million 10 million of that would be if you don't use eichel at all this year um but you know the interesting thing here when you talk about the differences between how seattle approached their expansion draft and the way vegas did is vegas really accelerated their salary cap armageddon by going out and getting really good seasoned players and then paying them and, you know, they've got Petrangelo at 8.8, Alec Martinez at five and a quarter, William Carlson at five, nine, Marcia so at five, Riley Smith at five, who, by the way, is a UFA at the end of this year, which means 
he's probably gone next year because they've got a boatload of money already spent next year. Dadden off at five. Um, you know, how they're going to afford to bring it. They literally have healthy on the active roster five forwards under contract for next year. And then they've got, again, $26.5 million on long-term injured reserve right now, which when you put Eichel, Stone, and Pacioretty back in there, that's a vastly different forward group. But that's a forward group that's sitting at $48 million for eight players. Which, I'm not good at math, but if you're rolling three forward lines and you've got eight forwards making forty. Eight million dollars. You've got to come up with four more forwards, and you don't have a whole lot of cap space to play with because you've already got seven, a little over seven and a quarter in net, and twenty on the blue line. And they don't. <laughs> I can just picture McCrimmon and uh, McPhee sitting across from each other at a table having a cup of coffee, right? Or uh, some uh, some uh, like big bottle Zach scotch. White, like Zach Whitecloud's got a new deal that kicks in next year, and I don't know if they can afford him anymore. Um. So, look, from Vegas' perspective, they, they wanted to go get an alpha center. They got him. Good for them. And you know what? Eichel and William Carlson are going to be pretty dangerous. I, I think there's a lot to like from what we saw of Eichel before the injury. What we don't know is what he's going to look like after the fact. And I think that's why when you look at the package that Vegas gave up, um, you know, Looks like Buffalo sent a, a future third uh, out uh, in the deal. And Vegas sent them a one, a two, Peyton Krebs and Alex Tuck. Um, I, I love Alex Tuck's game. Um, I think he's a guy that, now look, he's hurt. So I think if he... If and when he shows up on the ice, they're going to benefit from him a ton in Buffalo. When you look at the way that teams like the Rangers have added road graders to the lineup, bringing in a 6'4", 220-pound winger is something that Buffalo needed to do. Uh, and I think Tuck is a is a really nice player. Krebs is, you know, he's a, he's a young dude, 17th overall pick in 2019. Um so he's just getting adjusted. I, I think they did fairly well here. Obviously, the 22 first rounder, you know, with where Vegas is at right now, depending on when these guys get healthy, if that ends up somewhere in the middle of the round, that's going to help Buffalo. Um, and then they get the second in the future, too. So it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how all of this sorts out for both teams. I think the big winner here out of everything is the current roster in Buffalo mm -hmm. because they have the, the elephant in the room is no longer in the room and that will only make life easier for the guys in Buffalo to now move on with their careers, their lives. I mean, look, I, I would imagine Skinner's probably not thrilled uh, having <laughs> signed his big money long-term deal up there and then, you know, have the guy that he thought was going to be a center get hurt and then well, disgruntled and traded out. You make it his team. Though. It, it has to be his team. Yeah, because the only other set, the only other forward making anything is Ocposo's making six. I mean, look, Buffalo has Rasmus Dahlin, 
signed on the blue line. Uh, and Henry Yokiharyu, who they got from the Blackhawks for Alex Nylander, they have two defensemen on the NHL roster signed after this year. The rest of their blue line is headed to UFA, except Jacob Bryson's in RFA. But they've got five UFAs on the blue line. Up front, they've got four more UFAs and three RFAs. Victor Olofsson, obviously, a nice player that I think that they'll probably look at doing something with. But John Hayden and Drake Kajula, former Blackhawks. Vinny Henestrosa, former Blackhawk. Uh, so three other UFAs, former Blackhawks, go figure. And Cody Eakin, I mean, Cody Eakin's a nice player. I think he could benefit some teams. But we just talked about how much money Vegas is looking at having committed next year and how it's pretty dire for them right now, trying to figure out how the hell they're going to put a roster on the ice. Buffalo's going to have over $40 million in cap space to play with next year. You want to, you want to flip the script? Yeah. Go get your – there's no way to flip the script faster than a boatload of cap space. Yep. And you're going to have teams that are going to have guys with one year left on their deal after this year that might want to look at shifting – where they go and how they want to allocate their dollars. And here's the other thing. Buffalo's got three first-round picks in 22. They've got three second-round picks in 23. They have a boatload of draft capital. Uh, When you've got six picks in the first round in 22 and you've got five picks in the first four rounds in 23, that's something that you can really work with. Yeah. Because now now you have – what is king – in the National Hockey League, talent. What is the queen? Cap space and draft <laughs> capital. Right? Right on, man. If you don't have the talent, you need to be able to go get the talent. And how do you get the talent? You either draft it and develop it or you buy it. And they're going to be in a position to draft it and develop it and buy it right now. And hopefully they'll, they'll do that. So for me, the big winner here is Buffalo because they got a couple nice young players that they'll be able to insert into their lineup and start looking to build around these young guys, um, which is great. Good for them. Uh, but they've got enough you know, money to spend and draft picks to work with now that I think Sabres fans should be really energized about the fact that Eichel's moving on. And look, the, I always felt bad for Jack Eichel because Sabres fans were so focused on winning the lottery and getting Connor McDavid, that Jack Eichel was never going to be good enough. You know, this wasn't Tyler or Taylor from years before where you were looking at Hall and Sagan. This was the second coming of Wayne Gretzky or whatever. (laughs) And I think it was like literally, and it was, it's like when Donovan McNabb was drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles and he got booed out of the barn and then he went on to have one hell of a career in Philly. Jack Eichel's a really damn good player well, when he's healthy. Again. And knock on wood, fingers crossed, thoughts and prayers, all the good stuff that you can throw at Jack Eichel, get the procedure done, take the time that you need to get your body right, which is why I, I cannot fathom that he steps on the ice this year. But he's a really good player, and that was just a relationship that I don't feel like the Buffalo fan base ever really fully accepted that they lost that draft lottery. Uh, and then, obviously, with the medical issues, things went south real quick, and they had to move on from the face of the franchise. And Vegas now has an A1 center if he can get back to the form that he had before he got hurt. And Buffalo has, like I said, they have 
draft capital. They have a boatload of cap space, and they've got a young roster that's over exceeding what anyone thought they'd be able to. They were a lock for the number one pick four weeks ago. When the season opened, it, Buffalo and Arizona were 1A, 1B, and then whoever wants the third pick, come get it. Um, and Buffalo's played much better than people were thinking that they possibly could. So, look, you know, this is uh, this is kind of the world that we live in now. If you're in a market that doesn't like you or you don't like the market or things go south between you and a front office, you uh, you look at making a move and the organization looks to move on. And I think the value that Buffalo got was far less than what I think a lot of people thought they were holding out for. I am surprised that the New York Rangers didn't more aggressively go after it with the defensive prospects that they have. Nah, I'm glad but I, didn't but I think, but I think once the Rangers handed Adam Fox 9.5, there's no way that they could even start that conversation without Jacob Truba's name being involved. And I, I wouldn't have done that. Yeah. Well, I just, I just wouldn't have done that. The jury is still out on the long-term success of the Rangers. We'll see what happens. Um, tab, I know we're going long here, but I got to ask you one quick question before I let you go. Coach yes. Q, he's out in Florida. Uh, Brunette is in as the interim. You know, it's funny, uh, we talk about maybe possible uh, coaches coming in there and taking over the reins over the Panthers. Very talented team, obviously, great start this year. Um, you know, this kind of flips the Florida Panthers organization upside down here a little bit. But, uh, you know, it's funny, because uh, you know, even Chicago, you know, Torts is not, a, not an option there in Chicago. Torts, what about Torts going to Florida? And, and then the other twist here, too, as I was just reading here, too, is what if, what if Crawford goes to Florida? Then what does Chicago do? You think? Well, I think that's one of the reasons that you look at elevating Crawford if you're the Blackhawks is to keep him from going to Florida. Yeah. If you value him enough that he's already on your payroll. Um, if he wants to go to Florida and he's not your next head coach, God bless. See you later. Torts is an interesting guy. And the reason that I would not go there if I'm the Chicago Blackhawks is a lot of the things that Seth Jones said after he got traded about going to an organization that wants him there. Yeah, going to go going to a city where you know expectations of winning. Um, now the way that he's experienced the culture around the Blackhawks organization in the last month, you know <laughs> your hair might stand up even if you're balder than Darren Pang. But you know, I think it would be in, it would be interesting to see how receptive Seth Jones would be to towards coming in, given that they didn't necessarily always see eye to eye while he was coaching him in Columbus. Um, but I think that it would, it would be a fascinating dynamic to go from the alleged communicator that Colton was claimed to be when they hired him in the first place, whose systems have been a gong show to someone whose expectations are arguably tougher than anyone since Mike Keenan um, in torts. You know, that would be a, that would be a culture shock. For the Absolutely. roster of the Chicago Blackhawks what to go from Jeremy Colton to Torts, I you know it's interesting. Um, Andrew Burnett has been around the league for a long time. He played for Quinville in Chicago. Uh, a lot of people respect the hell out of him. Going from Quinville to Torts would be interesting. Um, I but I feel like Torts is enough of his own guy that he would want to come in and do it his way. And I think with Burnett, he was comfortable enough with what he was doing uh, on Quinville's hip. That riding it out with Andrew Burnett this year, and so I look. I everything I was saying about giving 
uh, Crawford some run in Chicago. I think you got to give Brunette some run and see what he can do. Um, and if the wheels just completely fall off, then I think you need to overreact and be like, holy crap, we got to go get a, an experienced coach. But I think Torts is enough of his own guy, and he's established enough as a head coach in the NHL that if he's going to take a job and walk away from ESPN, he's going to do it in a position where he can go in and actually do things the way that he has done them and wants to do them. And I'm not sure that that's the same way that Joel Quinville did them. And again, you're upsetting the apple cart twice. That's a lot for a young team that's rolling. Yeah, yeah. So I would I would give Andrew Brunette some run here, see what he can do, um, see if he can just carry over what Quinville was doing and keep those systems in place and keep the guys doing what they were doing so well under Joel Quinville. But if the wheels fall off and it looks like Brunette's in water that's deeper than he can swim in, then I think you start having that conversation. Um, and I wouldn't be appalled if Torts got the call, but I would be a little surprised just because – Going from Quinville to Torts would be a, a second massive shock to the system with the young players down in Florida. Yeah, it's uh... especially in season. Now off season, everything's on the board, and I think that you're going to have a number of places that Torts could land after this season. But in season, installing John Tortorella feels like a huge ask for any team, especially a team that has some young established guys in Florida that are playing well. Mm-hmm. It's not a dumpster fire that needs to get rectified like Chicago is. Yeah, they're rolling, they're playing well. So just go with what's working. But you have to see if Burnett can carry that over, or if you need to bring somebody else in that can get the wheels back the way that they were rolling in the first place. But I haven't seen anything yet that would indicate that Florida is going to fall off the apple cart here and need somebody to pick them back up and put them back together. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Great game on tap tonight for the Cats uh, against Ovi and the Capitals. So that's going to be a good game for Burnett and that team uh, going out this evening. And Chicago has the Jets tomorrow night in the uh, in the cold city, Winnipeg. Tab is always a great spot. Love it. Um, we'll be back here next week. And uh, I guess we'll officially put the Carlton watch in effect. Right, brother? TikTok, my friend. TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> Thanks so much, man. Have a great weekend. Be good. All right, Ted Bamford, ladies and gentlemen, right here on THS. And THS rolls out. Well, all right, it's time to head on out to the West Coast, the left coast, the best coast. It all depends on where you are. Anyway, you slice it, we're still bringing on our good buddy, Mr. Steve Palumbo from the great state of California. What's going on, Stevie? Welcome back to THS, brother. Happy Thursday to you, Paulie, and happy uh, Jack Eichel trade day. Yeah. <laughs> or day after the trade. <laughs> there you go, man. Yeah, no, it's it, it it's, is. Uh, Jack... Nice to finally get that out of the way. Yeah, buddy, it's Jack Eichel day. There's no doubt about it. So, I mean, uh, we might as well jump in right there, and I'd love to get your takes here on on who wins. I mean, obviously. Uh, Vegas gets the big boy, but they're probably not going to see him until uh, 2022. And then a um, right. couple of prospects, young prospects going back to Buffalo. So I'll just throw it to you, man. What do you think? It's finally over, and uh, what do you think of the deal? Man, I think it's kind of underwhelming for what, you know, was had been talked about and thrown about just to kind of see, um, you know, with all the things that other teams like the Ducks or the Kings or um, even Calgary – of uh, a rumor to have been offering. It seems like there were uh, other deals out there that w- would have made a little more sense. Um, 
Alex Tuck was one of my uh, favorite uh, Vegas Golden Knights. I loved watching that guy play. And Krebs, uh, Peyton Krebs, never really got an opportunity um, to develop in Vegas. So uh, it'll be interesting. You know, if Jack Eichel comes back healthy, uh, you put him in that Vegas lineup, and that instantly upgrades their offense, gives them another weapon on the power play, um, and, you know, keeps them in Stanley Cup contention. But, man, that window for them is is going to be short. I mean, they've traded away all their first-round picks since they've uh, – draft picks since they've come into existence. So they got nothing in the pipeline, but they sure do have a stacked roster right now when healthy. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be the key thing for them right now is obviously the, all the guys that are uh... – Hanging out with Kucherov down in Tampa, waiting for uh, yeah. <laughs> playoffs to come back around. Uh, and Jack's going to be on the same thing, too. Uh, no doubt about it. On paper, it looks, it looks great. And I agree with you, too. It's kind of underwhelming with all the uh, the hype and the buildup. I mean, you, you kind of think maybe for both organizations. I mean, obviously, Buffalo's we'll, – we'll, we'll hear about it down the road, I'm sure, Steve, about, you know, what potential trades could have been. And then – this is probably the best at the end of the day Buffalo could probably get. Yeah, I think the longer it went on, the, the you know the worse the deals are probably going to get. And I think Buffalo was feeling a lot of pressure to make a deal. So Vegas had been at the table since the beginning. This is you know this was rumored to be the offer that they came to them with in the summertime. So you know eventually Buffalo just had to step up and, and make the deal happen and move on from Jack Eichel and continue. They've had a good start. Um, to this season. So uh, this was kind of a, a shadow that was lingering over it. So now they can kind of move forward, uh, develop their young team. Vegas has another weapon and Jack Eichel gets to have the surgery he wanted to have in the beginning. And, and hopefully everything works out and he comes back nice and healthy. And, you know, he has a relationship with Robin Leonard and Leonard was very vocal about how uh, Jack was being treated by Buffalo and how Buffalo was, you know, kind of managing the whole situation. So it's nice to see those two get to play with each other again. And, Boy, I'm just glad that it's over, and now we can move on with the other exciting things this season. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think uh, Eichel already tweeted a picture of himself in a yeah in a Vegas <laughs> sweater. I mean, look, I mean, hopefully it works out for him. Look, he's just a talent that we as hockey fans haven't really been able to see take off. Uh, unfortunately right. for Buffalo, this is another. It's a you know a start over kind of deal again. Another guy that you just didn't, didn't get to see really kind of live to his potential here in Buffalo with injuries and everything else, and now he's gone. So look, I think you know Buffalo moves forward with their organization. There's no doubt, man. If if it works out for Jack and and all these guys come back, it is a hell of a team, and you you, you probably it'll be fun to see if they all get on the ice together for the spring. And and obviously looking at the specific division right now and and where Vegas is at, and let's just, it's only nine games in, so let's not freak out about yeah. everything here. There's tons of time left, but no doubt, man, I think uh, Jack could be a huge star in Vegas, man. It's a great city for him to go to. Uh, absolutely. I think it's a fantastic in- environment for him, and, uh, you know, he gets out of out of Buffalo, gets himself into uh, the bright lights of Vegas, and I think he could do really well there, and, and I think they're going to really um, use that to their advantage as far as playing it up, as having that star power. They did that with uh, – They've done that with Stone and Pacioretty, and they did that with Flurry, and I, I think they're just going to make him an even bigger star than he is. And, and the NHL really needs to market those types of players. I mean, the things that McDavid can do and that Eichel can do, those those are the ones that you really want to get out in the forefront and be the face of, of hockey. And, 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 man, he looks good in that Vegas the jersey. 
Yeah, man. <laughs> no doubt about it. And he's got all that money, too, still. So right, Exactly. It's all good for uh, Jack Eichel. Like I said, hopefully he gets uh, healthy when we get back on. So we move on from there. Um, let's get an ass report from you, pal. I know you're covering them for Hockey Buzz uh, yep. this past week. Uh, any take on, on uh, where they're at right now as far as it looks like they're kind of, uh, you know, getting their legs here a little bit. But um, what's your take? The uh, next game on the schedule for them is going to be on uh, Saturday. Saturday. Here. Yeah, yeah uh, so, against Columbus, man. Yep, they just, they just, you know, they they had a two nothing lead against Columbus last night. They blew it, gave up four straight goals, and are able to claw their way back in and, and get that point. But you know, this has been it's been a struggle for them. They can't seem to get healthy. Uh, Makar is now banged up. Rantanen's been banged up. Devon Taves has not been on the ice yet. Um, Francus has been out in and out of the lineup. So their goaltending situation is kind of spotty. Um, they're kind of just hanging around right now and uh, trying to keep their head above water. But they have something like only four games in the next 17 days. So they've hit a light spot in the schedule, which is only going to help them get healthy. Some of these guys, Sam Gerrard and, and Devon Taves, are, are close to getting back in the lineup. Rantanen uh, is getting closer. So hopefully they can come back and kind of put things together because they're a good team, but their depth is really being challenged right now. Um, their power play has not been good, and the goaltending has been spotty at best. And uh, so it'll be nice to see them kind of uh, have a few days off to kind of recoup, get healthy, and, um, you know, hopefully start putting some wins together. It's such a weird part of the season, right, Steve? It's only nine games yeah. in, and you're just like, oh, right. can you get really beat on a team right now or whatever? And <laughs> you talk about the Asbian on a little bit, and you look at our St. Louis Blues. They're 6-1-1 one one out of the gate, 13 points yeah. there. Uh, win to play, you know, 5-2. I mean, as far as these, this the Central Division, and then you look over in the West there, and you see what Calgary and Edmond are doing. I mean... These guys are padding some points to get out of the gate. So we yep. talk about Vegas. We talk about Colorado. They better kind of maybe start getting some points soon here because especially Edmonton and Calgary's finding a way on the Sutter's uh, a system that you're very familiar with uh, being in Absolutely. L.A. And it's starting to click, man. It, it really is. And you're you're spot on about the points. That that point last night, all the, you know, was very important for them to at least grab a point because that – had they ended up losing that game, it would have been, you know, a low spot in a, a really a low spot early on in the season. And, and they've, you know, they've tried to kind of trying to claw their way out of it. They'd strung a couple wins together. Players were starting to, you know, find a little bit of rhythm. JT Confers had a, had a really good start. Nazem Kadri is really hot um, to start the season and uh, kind of feeling a little bit better about themselves. And then that they kind of melt down in the second period last night. But to get that point is huge and it's going to be uh, even huger. <laughs> huger it's going to be bigger towards the end of the season when every point really matters you know you don't you don't lose the season in in the in october but it sure you know could hurt your your plans at the end so yeah just with uh how competitive the league is and yep you know and especially you know colorado's an elite team and they're Mm -hmm. you know the the teams above them and again you look over to like i said edmonton and calgary seems to find the way and i want to kind of spill over there into into Calgary here a little bit, which is, um, you know, they got some guys, Monahan and Goudreau here, and, you know, some firepower and stuff, but they are they seem to be, you know, buying into Sutter's kind of maybe a little bit boring kind of a system, but it's working. It, it is working, and, man, are they fun to watch? I mean, they came in and kicked the crap out of everybody in their little East Coast swing. Yeah. Um, they were, I mean, they were really firing all scale, on, on, on all cylinders. They, were, they looked fast out there. They're playing hard. Um, and yeah, Markstrom's been, been good. They, they've just been, uh, they look, they look better than I, I can remember in, in many, many, many years. So I, I, that's good for Calgary and the, and the fans in Canada. It's nice to have 
good Canadian teams with Edmonton and, you know, the battle of Alberta sure is fun to watch. And when both teams are good, it makes it that much more special. So, you know, if, if Sutter's got that magic, we know that it's only his win Sutter's magic window is very short. So they got to, uh, you know, get as much of it as they can while the, while the getting's good, you know, no doubt about it. Uh, as far as Edmonton concerned, you can see, they're doing what they did last year. I guess the, the, the thing about Edmonton is the story at the end of the season and, mm-hmm. and the playoffs. I mean, man, they're just flying all over the place, guns a-blazing. Um, and I guess it's just, you know, with me for Edmonton, it's like, all right, yeah, that's great. You know, we're going to watch McDavid and Dry, so I'm going to tear up the scoring sheet. But uh, talk to me in April, May, and we'll see what's going on. Yeah, that's true. I mean, until they do it in the playoffs, it really means nothing. Although I'm going to enjoy every minute of regular season McDavid and Dreisaitl. <laughs> but I think they've added some pieces that will help them in the playoffs. I think Duncan Keith is rejuvenated. Yeah. He's looked really good there. Um, you know, Hyman is, is a, a fantastic fit. Um, you're just seeing some things kind of gel and look more comfortable and natural. It's not all the McDavid and Dreisaitl show, they're getting some some secondary scoring as well. So, um, you know, as long as everyone stays healthy, that's a team that you really want to see uh, excel in the postseason. And, and so far, I, I think they've shown, they're showing that they're 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 in a better place than they've been, um, you know, the last couple of seasons. They, I think last year was a, was a stepping stone, and, and this is going to be an, another one of those big, big leaps for them. I, I just really like what I'm seeing from them. Yeah, no, you bring up some great points, and man, if uh, Duncan Keith can stay healthy for the entire season, man, uh, that's going to be huge yep. uh, towards the meat of the season there and at the end. All right, pal, your your old time friends, New Jersey Devils, uh, are in your backyard. Uh, had a yeah. tough going there against your Ducks. Did you get to the game, Oof. buddy? I did not get to the game. Oh come on! I know, what are you I know. doing, man? Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a gut punch, but you know. I, Usually they only come out once early. a year, right? They haven't been out there in like two years. I saw that. Well, they came right before the, the freeze. They were out here when the, before the pandemic freeze, they were here. That's the last time I saw them. So they're usually in March. That's usually, you know, February, March, even April is when they, they come out here. So it's a little bit early and I couldn't get the time to get out there and see them. Uh, my son's birthday kind of falls in the same day. So, gotcha. uh, <laughs> but, um, so no, but I did watch the game and it was by far their worst game of the year. And the uh, the Dougie Hamilton injury is not going to help. Nope. And uh, it's uh, it's actually, you know, they're, they're kind of scuffling a little bit. You're not seeing the offensive production from guys we thought they would. Sharon Govich has no goals. Um, Tom, Thomas Tatar has no goals. Nico Heischer has a goal or two. Um, he, he looks a bit snake bitten, but you're just not seeing any kind of offensive uh, production. Uh, the defense, uh, P.K. Subban and I'm not sure what's going on with him, but he's public enemy number one right now uh, amongst Devils fans. The goaltending is, is starting to come, you know, should be a, a bright spot where you got uh, uh, Mac Black's coming back and you've got Bernier back in the lineup. So that's nice to solidify that. But without Dougie Hamilton, without Jack Hughes, I, I don't know what the Devils really have to offer and, and what, you know, how competitive they're going to be. I would like to see this kid, Alexander Holtz, get a shot. He's tearing up the AHL right now. And uh, the Devils really need some goal scoring because they're not getting much production out of guys like Jesper Brad and, uh, like I said, Sharon Govich or Yanni Kulkinen. They're not getting much past pretty much Pavel Zaka and uh, little bits here and there from Andres Janssen. But, boy, it's uh, it's been a tough go, and, and the special teams have been horrendous, and, and you can't win many games when you uh, you can't score goals and your special teams are bad. So it's a, it's a little bit of a rough patch, but we didn't expect you know this team to come out 
um, and be guns a blazing. So hopefully they can survive long enough to get those two big pieces back in the lineup. Yeah, a young team like this, and obviously keep a couple of guys out here. Um, I guess, you know, if you're going to want it to happen at any time of the season, this is the time of the year to do it, and you just yep. cross your fingers here. I, I can't believe a talent and a personality like P.K. Seaban. You know, I'm listening to you talk about everything about the Devils, and you don't even mention his name. Uh, I mean, he's in trouble with the league again here with the fine and the yep. way he's playing on ice. Man, I, I just, I'm shocked at his, you know, from from just a an elite player with the Habs and then just playing, he's having such an impact on the Predators mm-hmm. franchise and then the run. And then it was exciting when he came to New Jersey. And, I'm, you know, you can't see me, but my hand is getting closer and closer from high in the ceiling to down low on my desk. Yeah. He's fading out. What's the story? I'm not really sure. I mean, he he does not look like the same hockey player. Uh, you know, he he's had these spurts, and we've talked about it, where he's looked really good and been really solid, hasn't tried to do too much. Um, but he's he's definitely lost a step or two. The skating looks – I mean, he does, he's, he's having trouble keeping up out there. He's doing all sorts of crazy things with the stick in his feet, you know, the, the fines, the, taking a ton of penalties. He can't seem to keep hold the puck in the zone. I, I don't know if his head is just not right right now, um, but he just looks lost out there at times. Um, and it, it sucks to watch because I really like the guy. I mean, he's had an outstanding career, and I don't want to see it kind of fade on a losing team in New Jersey as as a third-pairing defenseman that can't stick in the lineup because, I don't know, it just seems like he deserves better faith than that. But, man, it, it's not looking good for him right now. And, you know, the Devils fans are really turning against him. And, uh, yeah, it just it just – I don't know, man. It's tough to watch. It really is. Yeah, it's it's, it's puzzling, man. And uh, I hope he, he's such a good guy, and I hope he just kind of figures it out here. I mean, he's I mean, he's the kind of guy that you you hopefully the team can kind of fall back on a little bit uh, when they're going through this kind of stuff. But we'll have to right. to wait and see. All right, buddy. Before I let you go, um, Marion Gabrick announced his retirement, and yeah. I wanted to touch, you know, get your thoughts on him and. His uh, 17 years and obviously winning the cup with the Kings in 2014, which is just huge against my New York Rangers. Um, But uh, just a quick couple of thoughts on um, Marion hanging them up and and maybe talk about his time with the Kings there and obviously uh, his part in in bringing the cup to uh, L.A. Obviously, he was, you know, when he was with the Kings, he had more of a veteran type role. When he first came into the league and he was with Minnesota, you know, just he was just so dynamic, his speed and his ability to finish, just one of those guys that, um, you know, when the puck was on his, his, his stick, you knew something special was going to happen. Uh, obviously a fantastic career. Um, loved watching him. Glad to see he got to win that Stanley Cup with, with uh, the Kings. But uh, I'll always remember him, you know, earlier in his career and, and the things that he brought. And at a time when the game was starting to transition into um, out of the slower, you know, more plotting, defensive style into a more offensive game he's one of the you know catalysts of that and the way he played and just a, a really great career and a, you know glad to see he was able to go out in his own terms yeah man I, I i really liked him when he was a ranger here it was uh you know yeah you think back of those years uh you know 2010 through 14 for the rangers and then you know the the, the great matchups against the devils too in the conference mm-hmm. finals and torts and all that stuff and and obviously the devil's making a run as well in and around that stuff. Um, you know, uh, yeah. you know, it's good time. So when I see a guy like that retiring from, you know, days when, you know, we were so involved with our teams and stuff, making a run to the finals, uh, and him and him being a guy that, you know, 
was uh, just a stellar performer throughout his career. Really like Marion Gabrick, so I just want definitely want to get your take on uh, on his contributions to the L.A. Kings. And as far as yeah, the Kings, I mean, go ahead, man. He, he's just one of those guys, you know. When when we see these guys start to retire, it just makes you know makes guys like you and I feel a lot older, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about when he was a young player in like the early 2000s and now he's retiring and stuff. And so, um, but no, he, he definitely was a guy that wherever he, whatever team he played on, he always found a role and he always, you know, was the, you know, did what was best for the team. Um, even when he started to lose a step or two. So, uh, he was definitely a big part of the Kings, uh, those, those good Kings teams. And, you know, again, just a a great player and another player that the game is going to miss. And boy, you know, Who's next? Who are the only guys left? You know, like Travis Zajac left. There's only a couple left from the last decade or so. So, yeah. yeah. The other trip, too, is he's retiring at 39. And, I'm, you know, I'm going to be yeah. 52 <laughs> this month. It's like, what? What? He's retiring at 39? Oh, oh man. Too much. Good stuff. <laughs> All right, Steve. You're the best, brother, as always. Great quick kick. We love you here, buddy. Have a great weekend. And uh, more to talk great about day, next week as the, uh, the season rolls on here at THS. Thanks so much, buddy. All right, my friend. Talk to you next week. Have a good one. Take care. Steve Palombo, ladies and gentlemen, right here on that hockey show. And that's a wrap. Week four right here at THS. I want to thank Joe and Tab and Steve for bringing it like they always do here. I want to thank all you guys every week for listening. Tell some friends. Get us some more subscribers. Keep rolling this show here. So anyway, everybody up in Buffalo, enjoy the trade. Everybody in Vegas, wait till the spring. Hope you get Jack in there on the ice. We're all looking forward to seeing it. So until next time, follow us everywhere at That Hockey Show. Make sure you follow all the guys. All our personal accounts on Twitter are on the At That Hockey Show bio. So hit us there, okay? We'll see you down the road. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, and all that other good stuff. Take care of yourselves. Keep your head up. Enjoy the games. THS is out.